0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: In the Tuxpan region of Jalisco, like in many regions of Mexico, agave spirits are integrated into the fabric of daily life. They're part of the religion, literally. The spirits... And they're almost always called some form of mezcal locally, even though they are not certified. The spirits are served at every one of the community's many religious fiestas. So when the production of these spirits is at risk, literally, the cultural heritage of the entire community is at risk. And that's what's happening in one community in Tuxpan. Don Arturo is a fifth-generation mezcalero, or palenquero, or tabanero, or really tachiquero. Because that's what his family calls their little distillery, a tachica. It was built by Don Arturo's father, who learned the craft from his father, who learned the craft from his father. And add one more father, because Don Arturo is, as I say, fifth generation. So, Don Arturo's Tachica is a hillside gem. A couple of clay-topped steel pot stills, in-ground fermenters, and an earthen oven overlooking a forested hillside. But that hillside is eroding. The rains from the extreme weather that has been plaguing the region in recent years is literally washing away Don Arturo's little distillery and threatening to take with it the community's cultural heritage. With the financial support we're receiving from 818 Tequila, Sacred is rebuilding Don Arturo's family Tachica. Or really what we're doing is we're fortifying it so as not to interrupt that heritage. We're rebuilding and reinforcing the hillside that has been eroded, creating a retaining wall that will secure the location. Above that, to serve as a buffer for the weakest part of the earth, we're building a modest tasting room where the locals can sit and enjoy the view of that forested hillside when they come to purchase Don Arturo's Vino de Mescal. And we're building a structure around Don Arturo's earthen oven so that his tapatas are no more at the whim of the changing weather patterns than his rebuilt Tachica will be. This effort to preserve Don Arturo's family business and the cultural heritage of this community in Southern Jalisco is only possible because of a grant Sacred received from 818 Tequila. To learn more about this and the other projects 818 Tequila is funding, please visit us at sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. The earth is home to all of us, and we're honored to have been selected by 818 Tequila as their partner in making it a more welcoming home. Loop Bank and I am Chava Periwan, and this is Agave Road Trip, the gluten-free podcast that helps Gringex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And
2: today, live
1: from Miami. Hey, 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 hey! hey, hey, hey not uh, so loud. Oh. Since we're sitting in a car in Miami Beach, sitting right next to each other, we don't want to anger Roy by talking into each other's mic, so we have to keep the mic close to you, closer to your mouth, Chava, closer to your mouth, and stop raising your voice. This is going to be the quietest we've. Ever been? I
2: just think you sound like a creep right now. But sure. I always
1: sound like a creep. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. Okay,
2: so today we are making an episode about probably the least uh, least Miami connected thing we can talk about. Well, kind of, sort of, but in fact, so
1: okay, so so I want to talk today, Chava. Yes about this weird fermentation thing that kind of could tie into Miami. And I'm going to bring it back to Miami, Miami, uh, Miami. When, when we get to the end of the episode.
2: And we but, have Charles explain why are we in Miami.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, we can okay. do it. Hey, get the mic closer to your mouth. Oh, okay, Don't piss okay. off Roy. Yeah, okay. okay. So the thing that I want to talk about is when we go to places like, for instance, Michoacan, okay. we will talk to some of these mescaleros, these palanqueros, these vinateros, vinateros these tab- vinateros. Mostly terras,
2: yeah. Okay,
1: we'll talk to them about their fermentation of bruto, right? Which is a Nah, just let's just focus on bruto for a minute, please.
2: Okay, we can okay, do thank
1: that. Thank you. And so we'll talk to them about this, and they'll say, "Oh, the bricks count." Well, they never say bricks, but the sugar there's so little sugar in it that in order for the fermentation to start,
2: they have to add pulque. Is that accurate? Okay, yeah, but uh, there's a few things. Hey, that hey, way- hey! Just a yes or no. Yes, and specifically in the area of Queréndaro. That that's a little bit to the north and the west of Morelia.
1: Okay, so important. Anyway, so the question I have,
2: Chava, is this. They have,
1: in the pulque, mm-hmm. oftentimes is made from the exact same agave, not literally the the same agave, but the same species of agave or variety of agave in Aquidans, right? The puke comes from the same agave that they are fermenting in order to make their agave spirit. Accurate?
2: Well, th- that's the thing about in Aquinas. It's a rather massive agave. So, yes, Cute. Uh, yeah, it's a huge agave. And actually, I, I, w- I, w- I would even claim that some of the of the pulque that we find in other areas of—this is amazing. We just have a guy outside <laughs> of our car shouting to his friend across the street. If, and, yeah Sorry,
1: uh, <laughs> if you're not picking it up, then we just sound stupid. And if you are picking it up, very, very sorry, Roy. Anyway, so keep going. So
2: I, I will actually claim that some of the pulque that we drink in other areas of Mexico uh, comes from Inakidun's. Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. But like here, so here's the piece that
1: confounds me. Right, is the guy says to us, "Hey, I have to add pulque from Inakidans because it's so it's cold here at night and the sugar count is so low." in the Inakidans that it won't ferment unless I add the pulque. And yet the pulque is from the exact same plant and has been fermenting in the exact same way. So why does it ferment to make the pulque, but it doesn't ferment to make the agave spirit? This is what does not make sense to me, Chava. Science me out.
2: Well, okay, I uh, I don't have a specific study to quote or a specific uh Piece of research that I, that I, because we're consult. sitting in a car in because the middle of Miami Beach. And yeah, and because this is probably not something that will give you a research grant, That's but fair. I have a few suggestions. Yeah, please. Suggestion number one. Number one. There's a reason why tequila usually doesn't ferment with, uh, with fibers. And the reason is if you have just pure liquid, yeah, fermentation is a lot easier. In the case of pulque, you don't have fibers. Why,
1: why, why, why okay. I like this, but why is it easier?
2: Well, Honestly, I just think that there there is less. <laughs> I,
1: you know what? I love this. Uh, hey, audience! Just so you know, any time Chava says "I think," it means he's not done the research and he's trying to cover his ass. Okay, go ahead, Chava. Well, I
2: just honestly think that yeast really love just swimming clean, beautiful waters. So, in a way, it's like an analogy. Will be like what is the difference between swimming in a pool and the sea? That in the sea, there's more information, there's currents, there's other stuff that makes it harder. And a pool is just like very still water. So I think uh, just taking that kind of a uh, situation, just if there's only liquids and there's no other stuff to fight with, uh, you, have, you have a better dilution of Would, the sugars. Wait, wait and, hang on a second. Uh, hang
1: on a second. I have a thought. What? So you're, you're saying it doesn't have anything to fight with. Is that other stuff like the bacteria that might be clinging to no, the No, no. I'm just
2: talking about solids.
1: Right. Could it be bacteria clinging to solids? No. And it's fighting with the bacteria in order for those sugars to... That's a stretch. Is it? Yeah, I think that's a stretch. Is it? Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, like, like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but I think that's a stretch. (laughs) And the second thing, uh, what what I think it's uh, it's easier for pulque to ferment, usually, it's because uh, the volumes are very different. So a a very constant thing that we get to see in Michoacan yeah. is that they don't have fermentation tanks as they do in Oaxaca, where it's like let's say one ton and they're above ground. These guys have massive fermentation tanks made out of stone. So sometimes I, I've seen,
1: uh, you know what? Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna flag you on this because well, I would, I would. Um, Argue with your characterization of massive. When I think about the in ground fermenters that I've seen in this community, in these communities, right? To me, if you pulled all that stuff out and you put them into like a standard small steel fermenter at a distillery, it's it's going to be significantly less. In fact, I would even contend that if you take it out of the fermenter and put it into one of these wooden fermenters that we'll often see in Oaxaca or, or even in other parts of Michoacán, that um that it's about the same and maybe a little bit more.
2: Okay, because the point that I was going to do is that it's easier to ferment uh, a small chunk of pulque. Like say, uh, no, like two hundred liters. of pulque oh, oh! Because oh, oh. the surface area versus the depth. Yeah, and and it's just like a massive volume surface that you need to be fermenting. Versus... Yeah, it's surface area, but there's it's just like a massive volume they're trying to ferment. So that's my second one, my second guess, and my third guess. That and that's not actually a guess. I I have a, a a quote that I can refer to. I was just in <laughs> in, in Querendaro, I was talking with Miguel, who is a, is a producer, who's going to be collaborating with Maguey Melate. And he told we. I asked <laughs> shout him, out to Dalton. Yes, hey, hey, Dalton. Uh, I asked him, "Have you ever tried to ferment without pulque? Like, like, do you this because uh, of utilitarian uh, like, are, are you doing a strategy out of using pulque, or is just something that you learned? And have you ever tried to do fermentation without pulque?" And he said, "Uh, this is the way that I learned. I will never, dare not to use pulque in my fermentation." Huh.
1: So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, and maybe I'm not, but if I'm hearing you <laughs> correctly, in essence, he's saying, "Oh, yeah, maybe it works. I don't know. This is just how we've always done it."
2: And I'm not gonna risk twelve tons of agave to figure and, it out.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Because to me, the whole idea of the risking of the twelve tons is that experimentation that you talk about so often.
2: Yeah, but there's things you don't want to experiment with, right? Like a, like a huge tapada, it's such a massive investment for these people that cannot afford to lose one of them.
1: Okay. Okay. So I like all of that. I think that answers the question, at least for me. I don't know if it does for you, dear listener. But my next question, then, Java, would, yes. my, next, my next point would be as we're sitting here in Miami, mm-hmm. Miami, Miami, I'm dying. As we're sitting here in Miami, Mm-hmm. Right. We're in Florida, southern Florida, which is full of agave.
2: I, I will guess so. Yes. No, no, no there's oh, yeah, no guessing
1: no. about it. I'm telling you, I, this is a fact. It's full of agave. Okay. And and I get why nobody would be making booze, would be, would be distilling agave down here, because trying to get a lot of it together um, would be difficult. Okay. But I wonder if somebody down here isn't making pulque,
2: uh well there is uh well th- this is actually something that I that I uh, that I'm not sure not so sure about in the sense that remember when somebody told us that when the whole tequila boom was happening a bunch of industrials wanted to plant tequila plants like tequilana bevers by the coast and by the coast did, here no but the coast of tequila oh, uh, the oh coast okay. of Jalisco, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it was like the the plant was so pampered that it grew very big, so everybody was very excited, but then it didn't have a really high sugar counts.
1: Oh, I have no it, it, recollection it, it, it was, of this. Was, I was there?
2: Yeah, you were there. I was actually, I drinking? I, nope. I, I actually <laughs> probably mentioned this in another one of our episodes. So uh, yeah. I should start uh, listening to our podcast, exactly. is what you're saying? Yeah, okay. that's, that's okay. definitely my point. Yeah. But uh, what might be the case is that most of the pulque that I hear and This might be so wrong. I hate that I'm gonna be saying this. Uh, <laughs> I kind of love it. Most of the places where they harvest pulque, can I say harvest? Like, how sure, would you, sure. Yeah? No,
1: that's a, that's, a, that's fair.
2: Yeah, you're harvesting so, pulque where they yeah. Well, yeah. where they where they collect pulque yeah. from the agaves. They tend to be in rather cold areas. So, oh. in, so in some way, I'm guessing if there if there's a connection between the not only the species of agave. That you need, and the fact that it has to have big biomass, but also the fact that the environment has to be a little bit abusive towards the agave oh. for it to have a, a decent sugar count, and you be able to 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 extract pulque from it. Oh, that's
1: really interesting. So, if, like, it, it, huh. so what you're saying, in essence, I think, is if they tried to make pulque here in Southern Florida, in Miami Beach, um, that it would ferment so. quickly rapidly because of the heat maybe Uh, that it would over no maybe
0: the
2: agave wouldn't even have sugars in it the 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 agave because it's like there it has so many nutrients so much water around here just will be full of water but not a lot of sugars oh
1: i don't know that i buy that at all
2: but the second thing that i think it's even more interesting about this
1: any sense
2: well this is the story they told us and i and i'm like i don't know uh, I,
1: that doesn't make any sense. Now, let's go back to exactly what you just said about the Bruto, where we know that that doesn't, as a species, have a lot of sugar in it, which is one of the reasons why they say, at least, that it takes so long to ferment. That it's a, a much, in fact, this is what we heard from our friends at La Luna, is that it's got like a twentieth of the sugar count of a Blue Weber. Oh, wow. So they actually I measured it. So, you know, from that standpoint, if it were a lack of sugar... I'm not buying it. Like I I can I'm totally into the idea that the temperature is so hot here that it would ferment too rapidly and you'd only have about 3 hours in which it would be yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it would be delicious. Um but but outside of that, I don't know that I buy it. But now having said that, like Max Garone, our friend Max uh, told me once about a uh, uh, retired Mexican boxer living in uh, the Bay Area in California who makes pulque out there. No, Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that speaks to exactly what you're saying about temperature because when you get into the Bay Area, like, it gets so cold in parts of that area.
2: Mm. And the second thing that I have to say about this is actually a confounded argument, but uh, I was just in Pazcuaro a few weeks ago, Pazcuaro being uh, this beautiful... Town by, by 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 the lake of Fatscuaro. And uh, <laughs> I just had one of the probably the best pulkas I've ever had. I don't like
1: that. It's very Mexican. Well, it's Petcuaro. It's very near Petcuaro. I'm sorry. Well, go yeah, ahead. Keep It's get, the keep lake going. and then you the town. Had one of is the most beautiful.
2: Tra- I had one of the most beautiful pulkas I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And it, it was from Tacambaro. And I, of course, wanted to talk to the person that had the immaculate chase and that was responsible for bringing that pulka to us. And he was like this hippish-looking dude. Uh, shout out to him. out. don't remember his name. I have his own, though. <laughs> shout out hippish-looking
1: dude and Pat Cool
2: kid. So I'm asking him about all the details that I can get from, from that pulque. He tells me that he brings them from Tacanbaro, which is a region that is known for its pulque. But then he told me something that is fascinating. And uh, he had a calendar of pulque. A so
1: calendar of pulque? A, so a, is this like an advent calendar of pulque? Because if that is the case, I know Michael Marcy is going to need at least 14 of them.
2: Well, it was more like a zodiac sign uh, calendar. Of <laughs> like, explain. I, I love that even more. Well, explain it, what Well, looks like explain the different seasons of pulque and what does every month mean for the pulque production.
1: Uh, in in terms of how rapidly it ferments or how in viscous it like is. The, this
2: is this is uh, this time of the year makes pulque behave like this. This time of the year makes pulque behave like that. During the rainy season, you can harvest it. That kind of situation. I'm,
1: I'm guessing that he wouldn't say that, like, one season has more delicious pulque than the other. Oh, but it's just he did. different. Oh, he did. He oh, did? Oh, definitely
2: he did. And this is my whole argument. And I'm going to take it back to, to Mezcal. Yeah. But what he said is that because he has to go and buy the pulque from yeah. these people. Yeah. And he, like Pazquot is like two hours, like an hour and a half away from this town. They have to buy enough and then preserve it for the week. Okay. Yeah, right. So so the way they preserve this, they buy it as miel, not as pulque. What? You're what? moving the mic back and forth oh. from your
1: mouth. You're going to drive very nuts. Anyway, keep going. Anyway,
2: so uh, so he was explaining to me that they just not, like they put it in the fridge. Mm-hmm. They they don't freeze it, but they put it in in, in a refrigerator. Yeah, sure, sure. And that somehow that pulque was starting to get very beautifully delicious. Mm-hmm. And then he started talking to some producers and they will always tell him, yeah, yeah, the best pulque of the season is always in December and January. Because it's so cold, and if you extend, the it's period, a slower fermentation. If you, and what it's he told me this, not absolutely sure, I need to peer review it. But <laughs> what he is saying is that it's a common commentary for for producers to say that if it takes longer to ferment, mm-hmm. it's just going be ha- have a better taste. And then they are artificially doing that by putting it into the fridge, and therefore some of the pulque that they have at their place in Pátzcuaro, it's delicious.
1: That's funny. I don't know that I'd say it's artificially.
2: Well, it's a fridge. It's not. It's I, not an I,
1: I get it. I get that. I get that. It's funny. If you read, um, uh, Sander Katz's books, he refers to the refrigerator as an anti-fermentation machine. Yes. And yeah, for that exact reason. And you know, he always recommend. I shouldn't say he always recommends, but oftentimes in the book, he'll recommend. Uh, putting whatever you're fermenting in there to slow down the fermentation for the same reason.
2: And second part of this comment, I was talking with this and Miguel in Querendaro yeah. and told him like, do you have a preference of pulques when you're doing fermentation? Yeah. Will you just like go and find any pulquero that makes any pulque and throw it in there and it's like does it give you distinct results? Yeah. Both in how good is is it to kick start fermentation yeah. and the flavor that you get out of the final spirit. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. he said, no As in mezcal There's pulque And there's pulque It took me years To find a producer That I love And that I trust Uh, He gave me the name Of a person The name of a town And he said like After years These are the guys That I stick with And I love what they do
1: And they're using Different agaves Or they only use one Like this comes back To my mind About that tasting We promised we were Going to (laughs) do Of the different pulques, or the pulques made from different agaves from the same producer or the same region, and the and right then, the side by side. And
2: another side by side that could be fascinating. And yeah. the only problem is we need to be able to find the money to buy twelve tons of agave that Miguel <laughs> can play with. But it'll be... is, how
1: much is how much are they selling it for by the ton for?
2: Oh no, it's not going to be cheap, Lou. But I know you come from the what? U.S. You got the green dollars. <laughs> uh, I, I know you can make this happen. But uh, but it will be amazing to have him do uh, his first. Non pulque fermentation of his life, and try to do oh. all side by side non ferment wait not not pulque fermentation so that it's not being aided with pulque in the fermentation tank. Oh yeah, you know what that would be. We I can think... lose it all. We can lose it all. It might not ferment, and we might have something horrific.
1: It kind of reminds me, uh, you know, and this is an episode we have to say, Lalo. It kind of reminds me of the experiments that I was doing with Lalo, where he was uh, he was um, humoring me by. Distilling through cacao beans uh, to see what it tastes like. Oh, and but just, this is
2: far more interesting, though.
1: Well, I, I'm not saying I disagree that it's far more interesting, <laughs> but I I would say it's the same kind of thing where you're you're buying in. It's a gamble. You're buying in before you know what the end product is.
2: Uh, and what it's very interesting is that for the first time we will know if the pulk is actually having a significant impact on the flavor of the final spirit, because everybody oh. that I've talked about this and there's a book that I read, uh Mescaya is fairly well constructed. Uh, where <laughs> they they talk about this. And Shout say, out to Gaia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it says that it impacts the flavor, but they don't give a lot of details about it. So huh. I don't know if this like this is something that just uh, like people assume, or if it really impacts the end flavor. I'm guessing yes, but I don't know how.
1: Gosh. Okay. So what I want you to do is circle back to that guy and find out what it would cost, literally, and, to have and, him do. And
2: he's in kitten's man. That's some delicious stuff. I swear to God. Right, very, very right on.
1: Yeah, so so let's circle back to him and ask him, what would it cost to do that experimental batch? And honestly, like, you know, maybe we can get uh, some of our friends to buy into it, you know, and invest in this experiment. And it's a gamble. It's like, it's a loteria. It's a loteria.
2: And his batches are like in the 200 liter. So it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy, no.
1: Okay, we're going to do that. And oh, then, Lord. And then uh, we're going to circle back to you, uh, dear listener, and let you know what the results were.
2: The only problem that I have with this episode is I don't know how clear we were in the explaining what the hell we're talking about. But
1: sure, I, I think we were. My only problem is that you keep moving that mic from your mouth, and you're gonna you're gonna make Roy's life miserable.
2: Well, you're, I can see the volume of your mic is super high, so I think you're going to make his life even more oh, miserable. Oh, no,
1: mine isn't super high. Yours is super high. Look Anyways, at yours. Anyways, we need to stop this episode <laughs> right now.
2: Thank you very much, Lou, for entertaining me again. <laughs> Adiosito. Pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marc Rico sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com if you enjoyed this podcast please let us know and if you hated it recommend it to your enemies you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram Lou is in charge of our social media so if he happens to sound like an old man forgive him he is one Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for
3: listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash Network.